Hello and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a bi-weekly podcast examining the gaming industry through the lens of public relations. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosher, joined once again by Caitlin Redwing and Brad DeRamone. How are you both doing? How's the start of your 2022? Hi, good. I'm glad to be back, getting in the groove of it, which I'm still doing. It is currently a Wednesday <laughs> and I, I'm not fully back, but I'm trying. Brad, how are you? I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing all right, Sam. Thanks. Um... Yeah, 2022 has been off to a, an okay start. I'm a little snowed in here. I, I'm in Washington, D.C., and it's we kind of got slammed a couple days ago. So uh, the city really can't handle it, but I'm staying warm. I got my sweater on. I'm good. <laughs> it is indeed sweater weather, without a doubt. <laughs> so this week on Real-Time Strategy, we'll be discussing what we played over the holidays, the upcoming year of games, and the industry's inseparable ties to Twitter. But first, two quick bits of housekeeping. Triple Point works with many gaming companies that may come up on the show, including Blizzard, the Pokemon Company, Gearbox, and more. Visit triplepointpr.com for our full client roster. And then second, our amazing host, or I should now say former host, uh, Sarah Green, is no longer at Triple Point. She's now living out her dreams doing PR for Square Enix at 47. Uh, so go wish her some love on Twitter at Sarah Flops and ask her about uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV uh, and Walker. Because <laughs> I know from following her that that is all she is playing. <laughs> yes, and wish her a happy belated birthday. It was also just her birthday, which was... Exciting. But yes. yes, all I've seen her talk about is Endwalker. <laughs> and you know what? I'm happy for her. <laughs> Send her all the love for sure. So yeah, we know Sarah spent the holiday break playing Final Fantasy XIV online. Uh, what did everyone else play? Uh, Brad, you and I were both talking that we played, we're playing Doom right now. Are you playing the reboot, Eternal, the original? Uh, I'm playing the 2016 reboot. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've owned it for a few years. I think I got it for Christmas in like 2019. And just never got around to it. It was one of those like backlog games, but I, uh, I'm, I'm digging in and I'm really liking it. I'm, I'm not a big first person shooter guy. This is really like my first one. So, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm kind of jumping in the deep end a little bit with, <laughs> with one of the harder ones, but I'm doing okay. Not dying that much. <laughs> it's good. It, and it, it's tough too. Like, I think, I'm also not a huge first-person shooter guy, mostly because like the multiplayers are so daunting to me. But when a really good campaign comes around, it really appeals to me. It, it I feel like twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen that Titanfall two also came out, and it's weird that like that was the year where like two of the best first-person shooter campaigns of the last like decade uh, came out. Um, so I, I beat Doom twenty sixteen over the break, and I hopped right into Eternal. Nice. Uh, and uh, I was watching a really good analysis video. I, I shout him out every episode, I swear now. A Mark Brown <laughs> Game Maker's Toolkit. And he was explaining how, why Doom is such a special, like, first-person shooter franchise in that um, by removing the need to reload your weapons, by n n letting you carry more than two weapons at a time, uh, and by, like, forcing you to always be on the move or else you're going to die, it's just, like the most active first-person shooter campaign maybe you know in several long years there's no cover it's just you're always sweating i'm always sweating <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always sweating too yeah yeah what are your uh, favorite weapons do you have any enemies you really hate oh um you know it's it's kind of like an old classic but i will never get sick of using the shotgun yeah mm. i just i just won't it's just it's just so much fun that's the one that i'm 
Now, granted, I'm only in, in the Foundry right now. I'm really not that far, um, which maybe me saying before that I'm not dying too much is not <laughs> the full truth. Um, but I just I just can't get sick of it. That's the one that I keep upgrading. So, um, As for enemies, I don't know their names well enough to actually be like, yeah, this is the one that is really kicking <laughs> my ass, but kind of all are. So. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. If it, if it helps at all... I found that both in 2016 and Eternal that the game, I mean, doesn't entirely get easier. They'll throw some bosses in there that are pretty tough as nails. Uh, but generally, like the moment to moment combat I found gets easier as you get more weapons and your health gets higher. So uh, maybe your streak of not dying will can hopefully continue. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, usually, usually it's just me jumping off of something that I shouldn't. And then... <laughs> My problem in that game is because it's first person. I always like yeah. I've fallen yeah. off cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 more of like a a two D platformer guy. Like that's that's kind of my bread and butter. And I can't. I there there's there's one less axis that I can go the wrong direction in that way. So <laughs> there's no Z. It's just it's just up down left or right. <laughs> I respect that. It's a lot easier to manage that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like I so I've never played Doom. Um, I honestly don't even think I've ever seen anyone play it. Like I know enough about it just from what you guys have said and just knowing Bethesda, but I am a classic Call of Duty girl where mm. I but I like um studying like the maps. Not studying, but like getting really familiar with them and finding places where I can people are gonna hate me for this, but camp. <laughs> so doom does not sound like a game that i would one enjoy and two be good at it because always having to run around and not having cover i think i would probably be absolutely terrible and would rage quit without a doubt <laughs> yeah there are definitely some you know heated moments for sure <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. caitlin what did you play over the break i i honestly think i just played animal crossing <laughs> are you playing the update yes the update and um i got i bought the dlc but really what like so i the update and dlc got me back into it and i binge played it and then i took like a month break but then i got my mom a switch and animal crossing for christmas and she is like not one she doesn't play video games but when i was younger and had a gamecube like she loved animal crossing so i was like okay i'm gonna get her animal crossing and so she's like in love with it and she started playing it so i was like okay i'm gonna play with her so we like talk on the phone and both just like played at the same time so that's all i've been doing and it's been a nice i don't know relaxing way to spend time with my mom and just turn my brain off but i need to finish halo infinite that is like my other game mm. and i also haven't finished guardians of the galaxy so i i really need to play those games but yeah i'm on a first person shooter binge right now which is again like very feels weird this is so like not me but after i beat doom eternal the next game i want to do is halo infinite mm. good time to be a shooter fan brad did you play anything else over break not really no no, <laughs> no i I, what what I always say during our our, our, our company calls is that I'm playing Pokemon Go because I'm almost always playing Pokemon <laughs> Go. Um, I've kind of fallen off the horse with it. Not gonna lie. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of all like the, like, special events that they have. I mean, they just had Christmas. They just had New Year's. Like, I just want to catch some rare Pokemon. Like, <laughs> I don't know. 
And does the cold deter you at all? I feel like I would fall off just because it's like not pleasant yeah. to go outside. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm not if I'm not going on my daily walks as much, then you know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be as inclined. Also, I just it's just fun to look up sometimes and not at my phone <laughs> when I'm <laughs> yeah. walking around. So I'm I'm enjoying the scenery. <laughs> um, are you guys? I just I feel like. I know the answer to this but kind of like creatures of habit where you like start a game and you try and like finish it before you even start another one or do you play multiple games at the same time normally i'm usually a, a one at a time kind of gamer mm-hmm. like if i if i pick something up like i'm gonna want to play it until i'm through with it i mean yeah. you know not not i'm not like a completionist i'm not gonna try and like 100 100 everything because i don't have the time to um but if I if I was jumping between games, I'd never get any of them done. Yeah, <laughs> which maybe isn't the right way to think about it. Like uh, the whole like productivity mindset in that sense. Like, oh, I gotta like check this box. Like, there's Doom. What's next? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I I think with like the rate that games come out, it's really hard for me to finish games. Like I just said, like I need to go back to Guardians. I have no idea when that will happen because I'll finish Halo and then. I, we'll talk about it, but we have like 500 million games coming out this year that I'll like, I'll want to play that and then I'll never get back to Guardians. Yeah, I'm also typically a one game at a time person. I feel like, you know, not just because otherwise I wouldn't finish anything. It's also like a lot of games I feel like I'll, I'll get rusty or I'll, I'll, I'll forget how to play it or what I'm supposed to be doing. Like right now, somehow uh, I'm balancing the most games I have in a long time. I'm playing Forza Horizon 5. Uh, Doom Eternal and Metroid Dread and I cannot take on any more games because I'll either A, forget where to go in Metroid Dread, B, forget how to like be good at Doom Eternal and C, how to drive in manual in Forza Horizon 5 so <laughs> oh, that's the most manual. I can do. A friend recommended it to me and I love that game. It's It's so much fun even on automatic but he's like if you want to like if you want to really unlock that last part of your brain that you're not using when playing Horizon, I was like, all right, I'll try it. And it, it makes it a lot harder, but it's pretty fun. And you get more, like, currency if you play yeah. it that way. I'll have to try that. I, I've i also been playing Forza, but that's kind of like an always, like an ongoing game. Like, it just, I don't, is there an end to Forza games? Because if so, I, I don't think never, so. Yeah. <laughs> I've never made it to whatever this end is. <laughs> Forza Eternal should be the name of the next <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> well, those are all the games we're playing right now. And like Caitlin mentioned, uh, there are always games coming out. So let's turn our attention to the upcoming games of 2022. Uh, obviously, we're not going to name everything coming up because there are already so many things already dated uh but just to highlight a few already with dates uh ubisoft is releasing rainbow six extraction january 20th uh pokemon legends arceus comes out january 28th dying light 2 february 4th of course horizon for ben west february 18th and then the next week destiny 2's next big expansion the witch queen on february 22nd elden ring february 25th uh and then in march not to name specific dates we have Babylon's Fall, Gran Turismo 7, Triangle Strategy, which is the Octopath Traveler follow-up on the Switch, uh, Tunic, which is that cute little fox indie, uh, the Final Fantasy spin-off Stranger of Paradise, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and that's just the first three months of the year. Oh, my goodness. 
How does everyone feel about the first quarter? Is there anything specifically everyone's looking forward to? And how did we get here? How did I, I remember a time when there didn't used to be games at the beginning of the year. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm at a loss for words, just overwhelmed. Um, however, I will say, I think I'm more interested in watching maybe streams of a lot of these games and not personally playing. Um, however, I... I'm excited. Like, I want to watch Sifu, and then I'll probably decide, like, whether or not I pick that up. And that's kind of the same for a lot of them. But even though I didn't finish Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm picking up Horizon Forbidden West because it just looks beautiful. And I love the world of Horizon Zero Dawn. I just, I, I got bored at one point, but I'm, I want to continue with it anyways. But yeah, it's Tunic looks adorable, and I know... That's, that's just like a game right up my alley that I will love. I'm with you on Sifu. Um, this is the game from the uh, uh, Absolver, I think is the name of it. Um, they, they're good at really like kind of in-depth fighting mechanics. Mm -hmm. And this one looks like a kind of like a John Wick simulator, or at least focusing on the hand-to-hand -hand combat, not the guns per se. Uh, but it's got this cool aging mechanic where every time you die, your character gets older and i believe yeah. that you know if you reach the end of your life you restart uh very cool idea looks super stylized and that's definitely one of the indie games i'm you know looking to pick up this year yeah it's just interesting premise for a fighting game and yeah that aging had me pretty much hooked when i first yeah, saw the reveal trailer it's pretty interesting i've not been paying as close attention to Sifu as I probably should be but that I've, I've, I didn't realize that they were doing that that's that's really cool yeah I'm sure there will be those people that because I know that they came out and said that you can beat it without dying and there's oh I can't wait to see who's gonna be the people who <laughs> beat that game without dying because I'm sure that'll be really hard though I think it comes with difficulty options but those will definitely be the streams to watch yeah oh for sure yeah Another indie game I've had on like my Steam wish list for over a year now, I think, is Weird West, which comes out March 31st. Uh, are either of you familiar with this game? I feel like it's flown under a lot of radars. I I think I keep confusing it with another game. There's another game called Evil West yes, coming I keep... out. I don't <laughs> I... know which one is. Uh, I don't know Evil West. I know Weird West. I think Weird West is the one that I'm excited for, but let me check Evil West. Evil West was the one that was done that was at the uh, the Game Awards just last month. Okay. Which one? Evil West was at the Game Awards last month. Okay, I think it's Weird think. West because I remember. Yeah. I think it's been on my wish list for a while too. Weird West is coming from former Arcane developers. Uh, it's a isometric immersive sim, which is not something I think we get very much of. Uh, you know, this kind of idea of more open-ended levels, you get to pick how you tackle them, focus on story and choices and seeing out how those affect the level, you know, thereafter. Uh, and plus, it's a, you know, it's a West, it's a weird Western game. Like It's that's... by Devolver. I mean, what else do you expect from them? It's just, it's going to be weird and quirky and uh, probably a lot of fun. Definitely. So looking at the first three months of this year, uh, is there a slow period in gaming releases anymore? And if so, when is it? <laughs> I, I, I've thought about this 
and I don't know, maybe we need an expert to come on this podcast and talk about it with us. I think for the next couple of years, kind of because of COVID delaying games, we're going to have all these games kind of being like pushed into these release windows, but we're going to keep seeing some of those getting delayed. And with like games that haven't been announced or release dates aren't announced, those will be like internally pushed back. I think eventually we will get to a more regular cadence of games being released. I think maybe I'm just being hopeful. Um, and that's what I would like. But yeah, I think since COVID kind of upended everything, we're all scrambling to get these games out. And it's just, there's only 365 days in a year. So that's hard to do when you have this amount of games. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you raise a good point, Caitlin, about all the game delays that we've seen over the past, what, year and a half of, of the pandemic. Um, I mean, that trend, that trend is continued it will continue like it will keep um being kind of how it is um i'm glad to see some of the sentiment around that change you know um a few years ago when a game was delayed it was like (laughs) the biggest insult to players everywhere i mean they you know were pretty upset obviously people are still upset when stuff gets delayed but there's more of an understanding of Okay, well, we're all going through it, and game development is hard, probably remote, which I can't. I mean, I'm not a developer, but I know that it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, silver lining there. But at some point, it'll. I think it'll level out. But then again, I mean, there are only more and more people making games, and and trying to cut into the market share and. The more the industry grows, the more games there will be, and the more crowded the calendar is going to get. So, that's true. There's a I I feel bad because it's it's become a meme because it is so highly quoted. But I'm going to answer the famous Shigeru Miyamoto quote, which I had to pull up because ev- like I think everybody has their own version of it. Um, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. Um, <laughs> Like, I love when people, because I've quoted that terribly. Mm-hmm. It's like, a bad game is bad, but a delayed game could be good. <laughs> like, um, but I'm with you, Brett. I feel like a game that doesn't get delayed is almost the exception now. Uh, like, and, and like you said, I think because that's the case, everybody's just accepted that, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, Maybe not the best example because the release was still a bit messy, maybe a bit underselling it, but like Cyberpunk getting delayed several times, like, you know, that just became par for the course. Horizon was supposed to come out last year and is now coming out in February. And I don't think anybody minds because, um, you know, like Miyamoto said, like a delayed game is eventually good. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like another thing is just as games have gotten bigger and longer to develop we see more games that are like aimed for the fall slip to the spring Uh, i feel like especially in the last generation we started to see more and more games take up that january february release window whether it was the the first dying light i remember being like a huge phenomenon because it just came out in january and nothing else was coming out then like final or uh, not final fantasy um resident evil 7 uh, a couple years later was the big January hit, Hitman 3 last year. Uh, I feel like 
as just gaming has gotten bigger, publishers and developers have realized that uh, your game doesn't need to release in the fall to succeed. Yeah. Well, the gaming industry has just grown so much. Like, there's so many new people playing games that there's more audiences and the gamers now, like, you can't play every game that gets released. Like, when we were kids, it's like, oh, you could play a majority of them because they only a handful came out in a year. But, yeah, now we have to pick and choose and... I don't know. That's what I do. And then I just watch people like games where it's like, I don't have time to play, but I can throw it on in the background while I do something else. Um, and in some ways that's like, even as enjoyable to me as watching other people play it. That's smart. I should start doing that with games. I just know I'll never get around to <laughs> like guardians of the galaxy is a game. I really want to play, but because mm-hmm. I know it's like, I think 16 like plus hours. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll realistically ever get to it, uh, but I want to, you know, in my, in my mind's eye, I'd like to think I can, <laughs> but at the very least, it'd be nice to check it out. That way I can speak to its quality and yeah. enjoy its story because I've heard it's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I normally watch are story-based games because, yeah, like a lot of times you play it for the story. So if I'm watching it, I'm still getting that story. I'm just not doing the walking around <laughs> Another thing about this Q1 busy period, of course, is like I know a lot of companies have their um, financial years end in March. Um, So I know like especially during like the last generation, I remember like, you know, Anthem releasing from EA in February, you know, right before their uh, fiscal year ended in March. Um, So I think that's another reason that contributes to like the busy Q1 that we've seen the last couple of years. I feel like nowadays the slow period in gaming is the summer. Do you guys find that i so when you like asked this i was going to say that but then i remember like okay well now jeff Keeley has summer of gaming and i feel like a bunch of indies came out last summer i've i've just unless i'm misremembering but i feel like it was kind of like hey we're announcing this game it's available today which is also something like the nintendo indie showcases do um i don't know i just i felt like i didn't have a break last summer. <laughs> and like, even when, cause I think the old adage was, um, games don't come out in the summer cause people are outside and, you know, or they're in, you know, they're in a theater seeing the summer blockbusters or they're on vacation, um, which I think to some degree is true. But in recent years, there have been, you know, not as many games as like, you know, Q1 or the yeah. fall. Uh, but, you know, like Last of Us Part Two came out in, and Ghost of Tsushima both came out in summer yeah. of 2020. Witcher 3, I think, was a May release. Uh, it's year. Uh, Final Fantasy Three Houses, a couple years ago, that was like a July release. So even then, like, there are definitely like major tentpole releases um, yeah. that aren't afraid to come out in the summer. We know, like, so Forspoken, I think, is a May game. Saints Row, August. Like, we've got some pretty big ones. Sons of the Forest. I mean, we have some big ones slated for this summer. And I'm expecting some of these spring ones in March and April probably to get pushed. At this point, I just don't expect, I won't trust that a game is coming out until it's like two weeks before that day and I'm like, <laughs> okay you know what it's actually going to come out at this time but yeah i think 
most of the games that I'm really excited for don't have release dates. So. Yeah. So yeah, there's a huge like I named a lot of the ones with dates. The only ones I I think I didn't name with dates. You just named uh, Sons of the Forest for Folk and Saints Row, which all come out in the summertime. And then strangely, the one outlier out there all the way in November <laughs> is Starfield, um, which if they hit it, that might be the long like, you know, the furthest out a release date has been announced because it was at E3 2021. Mm-hmm. So then like a year and a half later, if it does release in November, like that's got to be one of the, like the most best like dartboard throw release dates ever. Especially during a pandemic when people yeah. like that's that's hard to predict. I'm very excited for Starfield, but I think. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to make November. <laughs> <laughs> and no one would blame them. Again, that's like the whole point. <laughs> like, we right. all understand. Right. If they, had, if they announced that, I'd be like, okay, you know what? That's good for you. You're taking the time that you need. Making games is hard enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. So of the potential 2022 games that are undated, I know we went through a few last episode just talking about our most anticipated games, but there are plenty we missed. So are there any uh, you two want to highlight? Shout out. I'm um personally excited for Little Devil Inside. Um comes to us from uh, Neostream Interactive. I'm not familiar with them, but ever since the game was first announced, I think in a state of play trailer last summer, um I've been really into the art style. Um it generally looks like the kind of game I would play, like action adventure combat wise, it's pretty interesting. Um And I love the whole, like, almost claymation sort of stylized look to it. Um, We'll see. I mean, it's it's one of the few games I have on my list that I'm like, I definitely am going to buy that and play it. I think I maybe have four or five of those. So um, nice work to the team for carving out that spot. The rest of them are, like, legacy titles I just really love. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my most excited for games, a lot of them are sequels. Like, I, I'm really looking forward to a, uh, a Plague Tale Requiem. I loved the first one. It's one of the best stories and just had, like, a very, I don't I don't know if it's unique, but it just was a very pretty game for the setting that it was in, which is, like, a plague-ridden France. Um, so I am looking forward to that. And then thank you sam for putting this on this list because i completely forgot but oxen free too i feel like anytime someone asks me for game suggestions i always say oxen free because it's always like two dollars on sale and i'm like it's (laughs) one of the best games i have ever played and i think the game that i have replayed the most which like i don't want to spoil but there is replayability and it's encouraged with that game um it's a very like mysterious you're like on an island and you're there's these like weird radio signals happening and you're trying to you're kind of like investigating it and you're with a group of friends um and you kind of discover this island's mysteries and it's creepy but like not too creepy like i i like scary games but this i wouldn't say i was ever like scared i just was more like "Eh, this is a little weird but has just the right amount so i that one doesn't have a release date but i'm i'm looking forward to that one another game that doesn't have a release date or maybe 
I guess we can assume it'll try to come out with another thing that has had its release date changed so many times, uh, Avatar, uh, Frontiers of Pandora, oh, yes. um, which is coming from Ubisoft Massive, the team behind The Division, uh, Avatar 2, supposedly coming to theaters uh, next holiday season, holiday 2022. Um, I know Avatar's like a huge meme because it's... Uh, you know, depending on if they re-release it or not, it's either the 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 first or second highest grossing movie of all time. I like Avatar. I think I it's like a fun it movie. Me too. <laughs> and regardless of like, there's you know plenty of complaints and criticisms you can lodge at the story, but the world is very cool, and that's what you'll be spending time in in Frontiers of Pandora. I, I had to pull up the Avatar wiki. Uh, <laughs> But you're telling me you don't want to ride a Leompatrix? Like, the, the big winged creatures? Come on. Wait, um, wait, what? What is it called? Uh, it's a, a, a great Leomptropix. Leom oh. Again, Avatar, a little silly. Some word, Navi, like a lot of things that are kind of hard to say. Na but Navi? Navi. See, yeah. even I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> I Honestly, I think it's because I watched Avatar like two years ago. <laughs> and I just remember it. I I think I'm I'm more excited for the game than I am for Avatar Two. I mean, I'm gonna see Avatar Two. It's I seeing Avatar One. Like I get why it was such like a high grossing film because as a little kid and going to seeing that in the movie theater, I think I saw it in 3D, but I think I also saw it in 2D. Like it was one of the coolest looking movies I had ever seen. And like rewatching it, I'm like, ah, it kind of holds up. Like, yeah, the story is predictable and we've heard it a million times, but it still was entertaining and pleasing to the eyes. I liked the colors. I'm never in doubt with my man, James Cameron. So, uh, you know, we'll see about the sequel and the game should be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that game. I'm also this speaking of like legacy, but Hogwarts legacy We'll see. Yeah. Did you like that pun? <laughs> that was good. Nice. Good transition. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is going to come out in 2022. I thought we were going to see it at the Game Awards. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure it'll be a 2023 release. But it is like everything I ever wanted from a, a Harry Potter game when I was little. So who doesn't want to play around in that world? Another license thing I want to shout out that is also a long time coming is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, um, which is like very quietly, seemingly like a reboot of what it means to be a Lego game. Um, it has like a more free camera. Um, I believe you have like full third person like camera controls, which is completely new for a Lego game, which usually like has a bit more control over what you can look at. Um, it's all nine Skywalker Saga movies. Uh, it has like like kind of some third person shooting elements. I don't know. There's like a lot of very interested in this game. I love the tone of the Lego games. I love Star Wars, and I hope this is kind of the jolt that the Lego games needed because uh, the games are really fun. But there was just so many coming out, like two to three a year for a yeah. while. I played also Harry Potter, but I played the Lego Harry Potter games, and those were a lot of fun. And I like the Lego movies. They just have such a quirky sense of humor that is perfect for star wars like star wars is so memeable and i i'm sure they've probably 
leaned into that with the games. Brad, any other titles you want to shout out? I mean, I think we we talked about Sonic last week. We talked about Kirby last week. Um, did we talk about Pokemon? We've not talked no. about Pokemon. Not no. Okay, I I'm I'm pretty excited for Legends Arceus. I think I said that right, Arceus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I skipped that gen. I so I haven't played a Pokemon game since Sapphire. Um, but I've always been like a fan of the franchise. I watched a bunch of the anime. I just think it's 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 a cool IP. They do a lot of cool things with it. And I thought about buying Sword and Shield, and then I didn't. Just had you know had enough to play at the time, and then um, never never got around to it. But this looks like it solves a lot of the problems that people had with Sword and Shield. Um, now we'll see in a couple of weeks. And it really is, I guess, only three and a half weeks away until until it releases. Um, how how it turns out, but um, I you know it's what what we've seen so far looks great, and, and I'm excited to actually like run around open well not open world but like the th- whole third person like adventure sort of thing with Pokemon. Yeah, the the mon- the seemingly monster hunter inspired quest design of like going out and doing these expeditions sounds very cool. Um, appeals to me a lot more uh, as someone who like has an affinity for Pokemon versus like I don't really care about the like the monster hunter monsters. <laughs> yeah, I, I played the Monster Hunter Rise demo a while ago, and like before it came out, and I was like, oh, this was this was okay, but I don't know. I I never I never got into Monster Hunter either. Like, yeah, me either. I've been a very casual pokemon player like i played pokemon sword but before that like i played one on the ds and i can't even remember which one it was i don't know there were a lot on the ds i know (laughs) i think i had a a couple that i played but i just yeah i'm a very casual like i don't know all the lore and all the areas and like the different types of pokemon but they're cute (laughs) they're cute I I like trying to fill out my Poke, Pokedex as much as possible, and then I get tired and move on to another game. <laughs> <laughs> um, some final quick hits I just want to shout out for me. Uh, the Some of the Streets of Rage 4 developers are doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brawler called Shredder's Revenge. That should rule. At the very least, the art style is going to be amazing. Um, speaking of cool art styles, Neon White is the new game from the Donut County developer, and this looks like Doom meets a card battler in heaven where you fight demons. Sounds incredible. <laughs> Very metal. <laughs> very metal. <laughs> from the Donut County. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> At the very least, I imagine the sense of humor will be on point. Yeah. Uh, Redfall is the next game from Arcane. This comes from the Prey team, not the Dishonor team, which just, of course, released Deathloop. Um, I think this might get delayed since we only saw like a cinematic trailer last year, uh, but it's a vampire team shooter. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it looks really cool. cool. And then there's one more I wanted. To- oh, Multiverses, the mascot platform fighter from Warner Brothers. I want to see Bugs Bunny fight Batman. Come on. <laughs> I can't remember. Is there going to be voice actors? There's full voice acting. Yeah. There yeah. Is. They brought uh, they brought everybody back from multiverses. So that, it's, uh, that makes me excited. Yeah. Right. They even got Matthew Lillard to do Shaggy. That's right. Yes. I'm and, pretty sure I tweeted the exact thing. I was like, they, Matthew Lillard and I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. 
plus the whole like basically ultra instinct shaggy like they 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 made the meme reality (laughs) (laughs) i'm so happy to see it it looks like they get it like you know that's like kind of reductive to you know there's so much more than that but it seems like they're in touch with what people want from this game yeah yeah plus it's free to play that's that's what's really Mm -hmm. interesting to me i mean i'm trying to think the only other big free-to-play platform fighter I can think of off the top of my head is Brawlhalla. And, I mean, that's amassed a huge following. So for them to bring in all of these IPs and franchises that people love so much, you know, characters from DC and then Shaggy. And, <laughs> I mean, some of the leaks were saying Gandalf and Rick Sanchez, which are not not confirmed. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday we'll have like Gandalf versus Dumbledore. And- oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. Yeah. Every 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 play- playground argument since like yep. the 90s. <laughs> my money's on Gandalf. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I I don't I don't have skin in this game. So <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't there rumors that LeBron James from Space Jam 2 is going to be a fighter? <laughs> I okay, that would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> Again, they get so. it, if that's true. Yeah. I really hope so. Wow. First Ariana Grande in Fortnite, now LeBron James in Multiverses. <laughs> <laughs> They're both fighting Superman. <laughs> oh, there was that uh, Casablanca section in Space Jam 2, like Humphrey Bogart's a fighter in. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch Space <laughs> Jam 2. You don't that, need to. You don't need to. I, I figured, but Casablanca is one of my favorite movies. Same. Well... Lots to look forward to in 2022, and uh, you can keep up with everything that's going on as more and more games release by being on Twitter. Uh, I loved loved the transition. (laughs) Caitlin, I'll let you kind of take lead on this. You suggested this as a topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't even remember why I was thinking about it, but I just, I think I was just thinking about how much social media has exploded just in like the past decade and was kind of reflecting on how I use Twitter personally and I don't know it snowballed from there and I went down a rabbit hole I'm like okay but like how why is the gaming industry so huge and influential on Twitter and how have they like influenced one another just and I know I could be having my like lenses on and I don't see all these other communities on Twitter but for me like I was thinking I'm like I feel like it's one of the largest communities on Twitter and so then I went to Twitter's blog and I found out every year they actually go and post like all of these statistics about the year prior and the different communities and how much like people talk about a certain topic. They haven't done 2021 yet. It'll probably come out in the next week or two. But I was looking at 2020. And for that year in the gaming industry, there were over 2 billion tweets, which was a 75% increase year (laughs) over year. That's huge. And I was like, you know what, that is kind of I think 2019 was when I really got into gaming Twitter. And I want to say kind of committed my Twitter to that before it was kind of this just like empty void. I didn't use it. I didn't know how to use Twitter. And I think it was just like I followed one person in the gaming industry and I was like, oh, they actually like talk about making games like this is actually cool. And it just kind of like went from there. 
And I think like a lot of people have found a lot of good use in Twitter with gaming. And I don't know, I just kind of wanted to talk about it. I want to know how like how you guys use Twitter. Um, do you recommend it to people who like want to get in the gaming industry? I have my thoughts on that too, but I'll kind of let you guys give your thoughts. You make a good observation that it's not just like the gaming community, it's the industry, mm -hmm. um, which I think is like a key differentiator between like film Twitter. Um, because like, you know, film Twitter is a thing, it's, you know, some yeah. people make fun of it. Um, and it's, it's often like critics and fans like debating the merits of a movie. It's not really like, you know, the directors are on Twitter, but many right. aren't. Um, whereas you see a lot of game developers and artists, um, it, it's not just like gaming journalists and PR folks like us. It's, it's people, you know, Polygon does this really cool thing. I don't know whether it's monthly or weekly, but I, I check in when I can, um, where they compile, um, like vertical slices they've seen on Twitter, whether it's like just like a little animation of a really cool, like indie game or somebody's like fan project, uh, that kind of stuff you don't really like see in other industries. There aren't musicians sharing like song snippets on Twitter that's happening on TikTok. Right. Um, it is. It, it, I find it funny that Twitter is the social media platform we chose as an industry, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I. And I know a lot of people use Discord, and I personally, I, I got overwhelmed with Discord, so I just I need to clear my Discord up. Um, and so I, I was thinking about like the different social medias and I'm like, Facebook is outdated and cluttered with like a lot of, wait, Facebook is a whole other conversation. <laughs> TikTok <laughs> is good for other things. Like you said, like musicians, I, I think film Twitter is really big. Like I've seen more like the Russo brothers are on TikTok. Um, that, cause I mean, that's more visual gaming which is visual, like we just kind of want to talk about it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Twitter is just easy. Discord is like real time conversations. Like there, you don't have a limit to how much you can say. So I feel like conversations are quicker. Like you have a quick conversation and you're done and you don't revisit it. Twitter is like this, I almost want to compare it to forums, but in a more pleasing like UI, uh, they're always ongoing and you can, it's ev like everyone is on Twitter. You can find anyone and have a conversation with anyone about anything that you want to. You can personalize your Twitter and also just like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of comparisons to Discord, but for some reason, Twitter just works. Yeah. I think, I think the big thing about Discord is it's, it's more closed off than Twitter. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, theoretically, like, how I could create, like, my own little, like, microcosm on Twitter that, like, only... I mean, I, I'd have to have a private account to have something like that where only certain people can see what I tweet. Otherwise, everyone mm -hmm. and their brother can see what everyone tweets um, versus Discord. Like, I mean, a lot of them, you could just find an invite out on, like, just Google, like, is there a server for this and hop in. Um but it really is, Twitter really is like an open forum, which I, mm -hmm. you know, but in both in a reference to like, like you said, Caitlin, like internet forums and the, the whole idea of like anyone can get up and say anything. Um, and I think, I think Twitter is 
to me, Twitter's been kind of like the the center for for the game industry on social media because it's pretty snappy and clippable. Um, you know, at least in in our profession, like you can get you know some game details out in 140 characters pretty quickly or throw out a 30, 45 second trailer. Um, and then, I mean, we're all, I think as gamers used to talking with people online more than maybe folks that aren't communicating over, you know, text chats or, or, um, or voice chat. So it just kind of seems like the natural progression to take that from in game to, you know, on a platform where we can do the same thing. You make a good point about the information like um, highway that is Twitter, um, mm-hmm. that it's good for releasing images, videos, and especially like short bits of information. Uh, I did a school project about how EA and Bethesda managed the launches of Anthem and Fallout 76 respectively. And I was looking at all the social media platforms and Twitter was like demonstrably used more than Facebook or especially like Instagram or just because I think A, it's where gamers are and and B, uh, you know, it's easy to do threads and, you know, connect, you know, respond to people, you know, replying to your tweet. I, I agree. Yeah, I think even something with the, about the information is you have companies as big as Xbox that use Twitter to put out updates and game announcements, sometimes even before like the press release is live, which is, that's not something that's always been done. It's always been like press release, send that to reporters, they report on it, and like you just have to read the news. Now I have like alerts set up, so with certain accounts, and I feel like I get every update <laughs> possible. Like I never miss out on things, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Like we could talk about social media addiction another day <laughs> and the curse of always being online. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's changed the way of how we deliver information and how we, I don't know, interact with one another. I want to say another thing about like, for recommending people to get on Twitter, if you want to work in the gaming industry, I I would recommend it only because I've developed really meaningful relationships with people in the industry, with reporters, um, and I've made like lifelong friends. And like, honestly, like I have this job because of Twitter. Like it was because of my just like reaching out to certain people and someone at triple point seeing that and being like wait who is this person like there is benefits to i'm going to say networking within a social media platform yeah it's it's far more of a networking tool than Mm -hmm. linkedin for the game industry like linkedin was like linkedin i I, I never was that active on LinkedIn, but you know, that's the one that they always push in college. Like they're like, Oh, oh, LinkedIn, you gotta you gotta, you know, post content regularly, share articles, you know, try and establish yourself as a thought leader and like <laughs> that's still true. Like there's still a lot of value in that, whether you're in the game industry or not. I mean, I think there is still value in that in gaming when you when you look towards the more professional business side of things. Not that the rest of it isn't professional. Um, some of it isn't, but <laughs> Um, I I have to block my fair share of bigots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think 
you you make a good point about LinkedIn versus Twitter on gaming, and I think a, a, a key part of that is just like the personality of Twitter. Um, you know, Caitlin has a great like. <laughs> I I wish I was more active and like comfortable, like just sharing all my like you know takes and you know thoughts and engaging with people. Caitlin, you're really good about that. Um, and I think that also just goes to like you know Twitter versus LinkedIn is like gaming is just more casual. It's you know, mm-hmm. the whole joke about you go into offices and it's people in T-shirts, not people in, you know, suits or, you know, shirts and ties, which is more of the aesthetic of LinkedIn if we were to put social medias in outfits. <laughs> <laughs> social yeah. media in outfits. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, embrace the chaos is what I would tell people. <laughs> so just, you know what, I just go with the flow. Um even though I'm saying it's a good place for networking, I don't really think anybody genuinely views Twitter as a professional space. Like, you can be a little weird, which, trust me, I am. <laughs> It'll help you stand out. And, like, yeah. especially in PR when we're engaging with press, like, uh, the, you know, it's the same thing when you're pitching. Like, you know, be human. Uh, and so that goes for both your pitches and on Twitter. Right. Yeah. You want to, yeah, you want to appear human and... People will, you'll, you will seem more approachable that way, which is always a plus. Well, there you go. Uh, embrace chaos and uh, be human are our key takeaways here on this bi-weeklies episode. I don't like this week's, I don't know what to say. This bi-weeklies episode of Real-Time Strategy. Uh, you can find us on social media at Real-Time Strats. You can email us any questions at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Uh Thank you all again, uh, Kaylin, Brad, for coming on. This was all, this is fun. I look, look forward to this every two weeks. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank and on you. that note, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye.